Hi guys, and welcome to this week's Virtual Sunday. My name is Tom, and I'm one of the assistant pastors here at the Hall Vineyard, and it's my privilege to introduce this week's message. This week, we've got a guest speaker called Ben Doolan. Ben, along with his wife Ellie, lead the St Thomas's Church in Newcastle, and Ben is also part of the national leadership team of New Wine. He's got a fantastic message for us today about the hope that we can bring people in our city as we welcome them home to church. So guys, sit back, tune in, get your Bibles out. It's going to be a fantastic message and we'll see you soon. Hello, my name is Ben and with my wife Ellie, we lead St Thomas's in Newcastle, a brand new church plant right in the heart of the city. We've been going for about a year now, so we've been in lockdown for longer than we have not been in lockdown, but we've seen God do some amazing things. It's a real privilege to be speaking to you guys at Hull Vineyard today. I grew up in Beverly, just outside of Hull, and I just think that Hull is one of the greatest cities in the world. And so much love for all that you guys are doing. So it's really, really great to be with you. I've been asked to speak about evangelism today. So in order for us to think about this, we're going to look through some verses in Matthew's Gospel together. So if you could turn to Matthew chapter 22, I'm going to read from verses 1 to 14 to us now. So please do open that up in your Bibles and keep it open in front of you. Matthew 22. Jesus spoke to them again in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his servants to tell those who'd been invited to the banquet to tell them to come, but they refused to come. Then he sent some more servants and said, Tell those who've been invited that I've prepared my dinner. My oxen and fattened cattle have been slaughtered and everything is ready. Come to the banquet. But they paid no attention and went off, one to his field, another to his business. The rest seized his servants, ill-treated them and killed them. The king was enraged. He sent his army and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. Then he said to his servants, The wedding banquet is ready, but those I invited did not deserve to come. Go to the street corners and invite to the banquet anyone you can find. So the servants went out into the streets and gathered all the people they could find, both good and bad, and the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to see those guests, he noticed a man there who was not wearing wedding clothes. Friend, he asked, how did you get in here without wearing wedding clothes? The man was speechless. Then the king told the attendants, tie him hand and foot and throw him outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are invited, but few are chosen. So we're going to work through these verses together now and think about how they speak to us about evangelism in the fantastic city of Hull. So let's look at verse 2. The kingdom of heaven is like a wedding banquet that a king prepared for his son. Now those listening to Jesus would have been familiar with this, of course. The Old Testament is full of passages that say that the kingdom of heaven The rule and reign of God is like a wedding banquet. Look at Isaiah verses chapter 25, verse 6, for example. It says this, On this mountain, the Lord Almighty will prepare a feast of rich foods for all people, a banquet of aged wine, the best of meats and the finest 
of wives. The kingdom of God is like a party. It is like a wedding banquet. In other words, it's a place of celebration. It's a feast. It has a host. This party has a host, this king, and he's throwing the party for his son. And like any good party, any good wedding, he's invited people to come and join him at the party. Now, in verse three, we read that the king has sent his servants out to those who'd been invited to the wedding party to tell them to come. And the strange thing is that they refuse these people that have been invited to come. They refuse to come to the party. Now, this is really shocking. This party that Jesus is talking about in this parable would have been the place to be. It would have been the social event of the year. This is the king of the whole land throwing a party for his son. If you were invited, you'd have been there with all the important, all the important people in society. Everyone who was anyone would have got an invitation. So if you got an invitation to such a party, do you think you'd say something like, mm, just let me check my diary and make sure I've not got a hair appointment that day? No, of course you wouldn't do that. You'd do everything you could. You'd drop everything to get to this party. When I was studying in Cambridge, I got an invitation through my door one day from Buckingham Palace. It was just after the Duke and Duchess of Cambridge had got married and they were making their first trip to Cambridge since becoming Duke and Duchess of the city. I've been invited to go to a drinks reception with them at the Senate House. Now, only a handful of people, six people from each college in Cambridge were invited. And I'd been randomly selected to represent the Vicar Factory, Ridley Hall, that I was training at. Now, when I got this invitation, what do you think I was going to do? Say, sorry, I think I've got to be in the library that day. I've got a sermon to prepare. No, of course, I was going to do everything I could to get there. Now, in this parable that Jesus is telling, though, those who've been invited remarkably say no. Can you believe it? Not only does this make no sense, it's very rude. They're saying no to the king. Now, in verse four, the king, who is obviously not happy that some of his guests are not coming to the party, sends out more of his servants to say, look, I've prepared everything at my own expense. Everything is ready. The wine's been poured. The best animals have been slaughtered and butchered. They're cooking to perfection. Everything is ready. All you need to do is turn up. But in verses five and six, we read that those who've been invited begin to make their excuses. Someone goes off to a field to do some work. Another says that he's got to go to his business. Even worse, some of those that have been invited turn on the servants and murder them. Now, this is a very strange reaction to being, to being invited to a free party, the best party that one could ever imagine. Can you imagine what would have happened if I'd tracked down the person who wrote out my invitation at the Royal Palace down in London? Um, and instead of when I found them, when I've eventually tracked them down, instead of saying, yes, I'd really like to go to that drinks reception, like murdering them instead. It's completely mad. Now, in verse seven, the king obviously is absolutely enraged. And so he sends his army to deal with these murderers. This is fair enough. After all, they've basically declared civil war against him. They've revealed that they are well and truly against him. So the king's reaction in verses 8, 9 and 10 is that he gives his servants another message. 
Those I invited, the king says, did not deserve to come. Now, of course, they didn't deserve to come anyway. What had they done to earn an invite to this wedding? Absolutely nothing. It was just a sheer act of kindness and grace that the king had invited anyone in the first place. But they've really shown that they did not deserve to be at the party. And so the king says to his messengers, go into the street corners, invite anybody that you can find and tell them to come to the wedding party. Tell them to come, the good as well as the bad. Now, it's really interesting that these initial guests that were invited had refused to come to this wedding party. Those listening to Jesus would have known that many of those who've been invited to a party like this in, in Jesus's time, those that have been invited would have been the rich, the famous, the business people, the well-to-do in society, because that is what happened at these types of social events. That's the way that weddings and parties were done. But now the servants are going to the streets and invite absolutely anybody that they can find. And Jesus makes it clear, doesn't he, in verse 10, that the bad end up coming to this wedding party, not just the good. Now, the fact that the king tells his servants to go straight to the street corners to issue this invitation is really interesting. In Jesus's time, the street corners would be where all the different streets, all the different roads entering into a city would converge. And at these places, you'd find everybody. You'd find young people and old people. You'd find rich and poor. You'd find religious and irreligious. You'd find good people. You'd find bad people. Business people, sex workers, prostitutes, the lame, the crippled, the healthy. People in a city like Jerusalem, at least, from all different parts of the known world. The thing is, though, these are not the types of people that you'd expect to see at a royal wedding. Now, the Pharisees who would have been listening to Jesus teach this parable, they'd have been horrified at the thought that these types of people would be the types of people that you'd find in the kingdom of God. Remember, Jesus is telling us this parable to tell us what the kingdom of God is like. And the Pharisees have a very clear idea about who was in and who was out. And those who were in were the people that were invited in the first place, not the types of people that actually end up coming to the wedding banquet, not the types of people that you'd find on the street corners. Now, in verses 11, 12 and 13, we see that the wedding banquet is full and the king comes into his party, as any good host would do, to greet his guests. And as he enters the room, he sees that there's somebody there who's not wearing wedding clothes. And the king is not happy. In fact, in verse 12, the king says to this man, how on earth did you get in? And the man has no answer. He's absolutely speechless. And so the king, in verse 13, asks his servants to throw this man into outer darkness. Now, what is going on here? Why has the king thrown this man out? It seems baffling, doesn't it, on first reading? After all, the king has just sent his staff into the streets to invite everybody, the poor, those without homes, absolutely everybody. So why has he thrown out this man for not being dressed properly? Surely no one that turned up for the wedding this day was prepared. Surely none of them had a wedding outfit that they could just get dressed into and then turn up at the royal palace. 
Well, to make sense of this, we need to look at this story in its original historical context. So in the first century in the ancient Near East, if a king threw a party, then he would provide wedding clothes for all of his guests. He would buy everybody an outfit. Imagine that, not having to worry about what to wear at the wedding, not have to worry about the dress that you'd wear or the tie that you were going to put on. The king clothed everybody on arrival. In other words, the king clothed his guests at his own expense. He paid for their wedding outfit. Now that makes sense of why this man was thrown out. He wasn't thrown out because he was bad, because the bad were invited. He wasn't thrown out because he was from the wrong socio-economic class, because all types of different people from all different types of society were invited. He was thrown out because he rejected the king's offer to be clothed in the royal wedding outfit. He'd rejected the king's generosity and grace. He's come clothed at his own expense. Now, I suspect that this man who got thrown out was one of the earlier people who'd been invited to the wedding banquet. He knew it was coming, but he'd made his excuses. He decided that he had something better to do. But then he saw loads of people coming up the, up the hill to the palace or something. And suddenly he's got FOMO. And he realises, gosh, there's this amazing party happening and I'm not on the guest list anymore. And because he wasn't on the guest list, he didn't get an outfit. He wasn't clothed by the king when he arrived. He bought his own outfit and thought that he could get away with it. He probably sneaked in by a back door or something. He's completely rejected the king's generosity and so he's thrown out into outer darkness. Wow, what a story. What a parable. But what does it mean for us today as we watch this in Hull or online, wherever we are watching it from? And what does it teach us about evangelism? How should we be thinking evangelistically on the back of this fantastic parable? Well, the first thing that I want to say is being communicated here to us today is this, that God is home. God is the only place that we can call home in the truest sense of the word. Now the call on us as the church is to share that people can only find their home in God and of course we do that evangelistically by speaking of Jesus. Now remember Jesus is telling us this parable so that we might know what the kingdom of God is like. It is like a wedding banquet, like a party that is thrown for a king by his son. Now, of course, what Jesus is communicating here is that Jesus is saying that the kingdom of heaven is like a celebration thrown by God the Father for his son, Jesus Christ, as he rescues and redeems the people that he's saving and that those people are being caught up in the very story and life of God. Now, of course, there's so many wonderful images of weddings and parties throughout the whole Bible to describe God, God's rule and reign and his kingdom. In fact, the last book of the Bible ends with a wedding. In the book of Revelation, we read about the bride of Christ, the church, in a celebration, a wedding celebration with Jesus himself. So what Jesus is communicating is this. Look, God is inviting many people to be part of this celebration. And it is not about who you are. It is not about what you have done. It is not about how good you are. It's not about how moral or how clever you are. It's all about what Jesus has done. It's all about Jesus. 
Now that means, church, that we need to talk about the person of Jesus more. We need to make our lives about him. When we're talking to our friends, our families and our neighbours, we need to speak of the wonder and the grace and the majesty of the person of Jesus. But when we're talking to friends or family, how often do we talk about other things when we talk about our faith? We talk about church. Now, church is wonderful. I love church. But people generally aren't fascinated with the church. We sometimes talk about how our church is different to other churches. We might say that our church isn't your normal, typical, boring church. You should come and check it out. But people aren't necessarily interested in church. But when we talk about Jesus, Jesus is fascinating. Jesus is amazing. People generally want to talk about Jesus. There's a saying from a French philosopher that goes like this. If you want to build a ship, don't drum up people to collect enough wood and don't assign them tasks and work but rather teach them to long for the endless immensity of the sea. In other words, keep the main thing the main thing. Don't talk about the scaffolding. If you want to talk about building a ship, don't talk about the actual detail of building a ship. Instead, talk about how wonderful the destination is going to be. Talk about how amazing it's going to be once you get out on the ocean. Church, we need to do the same. Don't talk so much about the scaffolding, the stuff around and about. Talk about Jesus. It's Jesus that people find fascinating. And here's the thing, the more we talk about the kingdom of heaven as if it's a party that's centred on the person of Jesus, the more people will, will respond to the good news. And look, this parable is so freeing because in this parable, we see that not everybody is going to accept the invitation to the wedding celebration. And that's okay. What we're called to do is to talk about Jesus and to issue the invitation. And God will do the rest. Some will respond and some won't. And that's absolutely fine. But what we're called to do is to constantly speak and tell of Jesus. To say that the kingdom of God is like a wedding celebration and Jesus is right at the center of it. It's all about Jesus. Now being at the wedding party, Jesus is communicating through this parable, is all about being in the right clothes. But remember in the parable there was somebody, there was a man there who was not dressed in the right clothes and he was thrown out the party because he was dressed in his own clothes. He was not clothed at the king's expense. He was clothed at his own expense and it had eternal consequences for him. He was thrown out into darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Verse 13. Now look, if we try and clothe ourselves at our own expense, if we think that we can get into the wedding celebration that is the kingdom of God, if we think that we can get into this feast um, on the strength of our own merit, we can't. We must be clothed at God's expense. Now, how does God clothe us at his own expense? Well, of course, the cross. Jesus, God himself, God the Son, came to earth, took on human flesh and died, took the punishment that we deserved, paid 
for our wrong, for our mess, at his own expense, so that we could be free. The New Testament uses language, doesn't it, of being clothed in Christ. Take Galatians 3, verse 27, for example. For all of you who were baptised into Christ, have yourselves been clothed with Christ. We are clothed in Christ church. We're called to live out this identity. We're called to live out following Jesus, being Christians, little Christs, walking around and revealing and speaking of the person of Jesus. A few weeks ago at St Thomas's, a man walked into our church building to ask some questions about Jesus. At the beginning of lockdown, he downloaded an audio Bible and he'd listened to the whole of the New Testament since, since the start of March. And he walked into our church building wanting to know if he could find out some more about Jesus and ask some questions. So I ended up chatting to him. It was a Wednesday lunchtime and we spoke for a few minutes about the person of Jesus. And he had the most powerful and profound encounter with Jesus that day. And he gave his life to Jesus. Now, he went home later that afternoon and he told his neighbour that he'd just become a Christian at St Thomas's. His neighbour, who was from a different faith tradition that wasn't Christianity, um, responded to this and said, gosh, tell me more. And they both ended up coming to church together on Sunday, just a few days later. That day, the man's friend, the man who became a Christian on the Wednesday, his friend encountered Jesus that Sunday and he gave his life to Christ that day too. They both got baptised at the end of our Sunday service and it was the most beautiful picture of Jesus's salvation. But here's the point. When you're clothed in Christ, you can't help but speak and tell of who Jesus is and invite people, invite other people, your friends, your neighbours, to see that God is home. That God is the only place where we will find belonging and that sense of home. That's the first thing. The second thing we see in this parable is that church is home. Now look at the kind of community that the kingdom of God the kind of community that Jesus says the kingdom of God is like in this parable. Who ends up getting invited to this wedding banquet? Everybody does, young and old, rich and poor, black and white, Jew and Gentile. Absolutely everybody is issued an invitation to this wedding banquet. Now, do you see from this parable the kind of community that Jesus Christ was building and is continuing to build today? It's one that is diverse. It's one where everybody is welcome. And this is the kind of community that we're being called to build in Hull, in Newcastle, or wherever it is that you are living at the moment. Now, remember, as Jesus was telling this story, the Pharisees who were, who were listening would have been horrified that these types of people were the ones who'd been, who'd been invited to this wedding celebration, that these types of people could have been part of the kingdom of God. But here Jesus completely redefines community and what Christian community looks like. Now where else can you find a community that does not exist just for the sake of its own members but for those who are yet to be part of it? 
where else can you go in the UK at the moment and be family with people who hold such different views to you on politics, on Brexit, on football even, and still love and serve with those people? Now, the community that Jesus describes through this parable, of course, is supposed to reflect in some way the church. And the church is the most beautiful and powerful community that the world has ever known. And right now, our nation needs to know that, that the church is home more than ever. The nation needs to realise and hear the message that the church can be home for them. Over the past seven or eight months, it feels, doesn't it, as if community has been completely ripped from us. It hurts that we can only socialise with people that we live with. At least that's the situation that we find ourselves in here in Newcastle. It hurts when we can't go into each other's homes. It hurts that we can't spend time with more people. It hurts that we can only see six people at once or that we can't hug somebody in church or lay hands on during prayer ministry or have coffee in the same way when church is finished. Millions of people at the minute can't go into each other's homes for small groups or for Bible studies. It's not nice. And the reason it's not nice is because we were created for community. We were created for communion with God and with each other. But even before the pandemic, if we're honest, community wasn't great. There's been lots of studies done, hasn't there, recently about how for people aged between, say, the ages of 16 and 24, 25, that generation is the most connected generation that is ever, has ever existed in the world. But they're also the loneliest generation that's ever lived. We need each other. The nation needs the church. Hull needs Hull Vineyard. Invite people to try church. Sharing church has never been easier at the minute, has it? You can just click share on Facebook or share on YouTube. People can't really socialise in the same way that they could before lockdown. So I'm finding that lots of people are wanting to come to church just to see another human being. Just invite people to try church and ask them if they think that church could be home. This last Sunday at St Thomas's, here in Newcastle, four people asked Jesus into their lives and confessed Jesus as Lord. None of them come from Christian backgrounds. Some of them just brought themselves to church because they'd started praying in lockdown or reading the Bible in lockdown. Some of them had been watching online for a couple of weeks and had just summoned up, you know, summoned up enough courage to come to church by themselves. So these four people all responded to the gospel on Sunday. Some of them are um, going to be baptised soon. And one of them at the end of church said to me, they said this, this coming into St Thomas's, it just feels like family. It feels as if I have come home. And I said, look, this church, St Thomas's, is family. Welcome home. The world needs us to be the diverse community that gathers around the truth and the uniqueness of Jesus Christ. Nowhere else in the world, I believe, offers this level of community, of family, of belonging, the sense of home. We often have a tri-church Sunday at St Thomas's, 
And again, it's just amazing how many people will say like they feel that they've come home as they come into church for the first time. Or they feel like they've found the community that they have never known before, but have been looking for all of their lives. Look, we have such a gift to share with the world. You have such a gift to share with the people of Hull. So let's share it. The third thing that we see in this parable is that we're invited to create a home for other people. We're invited to join in with God. You're invited to join in with God in creating a home for Hull. In the parable, the king, God, sends his servants out to the street corners, to the highways and to the byways, to invite people to come to this wedding feast. Now, how do we do that? We do that by going into the street corners of Hull, to the highways and the byways, and inviting all the people that we meet to the feast. It's the most loving thing that we can do. Evangelism is loving people. Evangelism creates the space for people to hear the good news of Jesus and creates the space for people to realise that they belong. It's through evangelism that we'll see our cities completely transformed. In the parable in Matthew 22, all the people that ended up at the wedding feast were not expecting to be there that day. But they ended up there anyway, because the messengers were obedient to the king and went out and shared the good news. We've been commissioned by God to do the same thing, to go to the ends of the earth, to make disciples of all nations. As a church family, you're called to love Hull by telling people of the great celebration, the feast that is awaiting anyone who will put their trust in Jesus Christ. We're called to go to everybody and say, come to the feast, come and see, come to Jesus, come and be clothed at God's expense. Stop trying to do it yourself. You'll never be able to do it. Stop being weary. Stop tiring yourself out. God has done everything necessary for you to be saved and he loves you. Come to Jesus. There's a story in the Gospel of John, John chapter 1, where one disciple called Andrew brings another man, Simon, to Jesus. And in John 1 verse 42, it simply says this, Andrew brought Simon to Jesus. The former Archbishop of Canterbury, William Temple, wrote this in a commentary about that one line. That that was the most loving and greatest service that one person could possibly render another. Evangelism is how you'll create a home for Hull. God is home. Church is home and through and through proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of god you'll create a home for whole amen